0: Hey, Mama, and welcome to episode eight. So today we are going to honor the month of October, which is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month. We are going to be chatting with Megan Stofer. Megan and her family lost their little boy at 21 weeks. And what's remarkable is that through this, through this trauma and this loss and this pain, She huddled together with other women who had experienced something similar around this time and noticed that there was this huge lack of resources and understanding and there was really nowhere to turn to. And although they are unnamed, in my head I think of them as these just badass angels. You guys, they have taken it upon themselves to really ensure that families who are dealing with this know where to turn to, what to do in the moments where they're having to make decisions, and essentially connect them to the very resources that help them through such tragic life event. You guys, Megan's story is really hard, and you might need to grab a Kleenex for this one. It's also really, really beautiful. I know that you're going to be just as blown away as I was when you hear how she handled these tough moments. And you're gonna to begin to see where you yourself can adopt more intention during your own struggle and your own pain. And I know that you're gonna be just as astounded by what she is doing now with this group of women to ensure that families have the support they need if they ever have to experience such a terrible loss. I also wanna give you a heads up that you might hear Miles and my pup in the background. This one was recorded when he was awake, hashtag hosting a podcast and motherhood. But before we begin, I want to read a quick review from Nature's Way Mama. She says, Love Sarah's vision for mamas. What a treasure trove of goodness, experience, struggle, tips, validation, personal growth, and love. And where love is, God is. Thank you for being brave and bringing the fire, Sarah. Nature's Way Mama, thank you so much. Now let me ask you, have you left a review yet? No? Okay, stop. Stop this episode right now. Go leave a review. It means the world to me. You're going to help some other mama push play on this on this podcast and change her life. Please do it. Thank you guys so much. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, (laughs) it's mama time. Hello, Megan,
1: how are you? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm really good. I'm really excited for our chat today. I'm also, I won't lie to you that I, before we started talking, I kind of tried to mentally and emotionally prepare myself because I just, you know, looking back at some of your posts and things and just thinking about this topic that we're about to cover, uh, I can honestly cry just thinking about it. So I was really trying to prepare myself a little bit and looking at your posts, you're just so, you are so eloquent and you're so good with your words. and. Some of what, most of what you say, is really, I think you say a lot of really powerful stuff. But I, but it, but it, but it's all, I'm truly, but it's all just like very clearly, very honest and very raw, which is probably why it's so powerful. You just, like you said to me the other day, like you're, you're an open book, and I can feel that in your post. So I have, I think I'm prepared for this, but. I'm really excited. Megan and I actually grew up in the same town. She's a few years older than me. And she had a sister that was just a couple years older than me. And we went to the same church. We went, yeah. yeah. Did you forget about that? I know. <laughs>
1: yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, didn't yeah. even cross my mind. Yeah. I know.
0: So we've not really talked a whole lot aside from just like in the last year or so, just kind of getting connected on social media again. And yeah. Anyhow, it's really really cool and I'm excited this this brought to us together and i'm I am really excited to hear your story oh,
1: thanks I'm excited to be here good I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i um any chance I get to kind of share what we're talking about and and what that looks like and hopes that another mom doesn't find themselves in a position of just not feeling like they have any support or knowledge of what's going on is you know a good place for me to be. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, you're so good at it. Well, so I want, I think it'd be really cool if maybe you just give us a little introduction of who you are and then when you're ready, you can start your story.
1: Yeah. So I am originally from the same little small town you are, but about, I guess it's been, it'll be 10 years. I guess it's been 10 years. I moved down to outside of Louisville. Um. So I, I'm near Louisville now. I live on the Indiana side of the bridge, but just, just barely. And So I now am a, I was a teacher for a long time and now I'm a stay at home mom. I've got two at home, uh, full time. (laughs) We kind of, I guess we were talking earlier, kids are kind of in and out of my home as people (laughs) living with us and what we call our children. So we've got two here, um, married to my husband, Ben for nine years. And, um, I work from home placing exchange students and, uh, building people's families in kind of an unconventional global way now. And um, yeah, that's kind of me and a nutshell. I'm a homeschooling mom now, which is something I always aspired to be, but it's, you know, a forced hand this time. Um, and we're just kind of living in our little own bubble over here and taking life a day at a time. So.
0: I love seeing your posts about um, just the education and the stuff that you're doing homeschooling the kids. I think it's super, super cool. I plan to take thanks. notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. I think, you know, it. I've always, I've always aspired to be a homeschool mom. And then this kind of forced my hand and it's really all the stuff that I thought public school teaching was going to be Interesting. it didn't turn out to be interesting. And, um, without all of like, the money and politics and paperwork that makes sense. involved, yeah. you know, like, yeah, makes more like sense. it's what I, what I thought I was going to do, um, when I went into teaching. And so I really oh, cool. do enjoy it. If I could find a way to like homeschool, small groups of kids, that would be like ideal. I'm <laughs> sure really
0: there are it. plenty of parents right now that would be like, yes,
1: please take my children <laughs> and homeschool them. Please <laughs> right. Right, I'm like yeah. I need a, I need like one of those mini bus fans. Yeah, I'm just gonna go for it.
0: <laughs> I think that's a stellar idea. I think you should definitely keep that in hindsight and yeah. be thinking about that. You'd be great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we well, did a really good job explaining, or introducing yourself. Like everybody's gonna have a really good idea of a the person they're about to hear from. So, when you're ready, I want you yeah. to start talking about your story.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, Sarah had invited me actually I kind of invited myself <laughs> which is amazing you know, I, yeah I put a post out like okay people would really love some storytellers break the ice a um, little <laughs> yeah and so um just kind of like things that we could talk about that involve motherhood and what motherhood looks like and things that we've all kind of been through or might go through and something that I kind of hold Near and dear to my heart is motherhood through loss because it's something that we're pretty familiar with, and when our son passed away, were just, there just there wasn't support. There just even I remember at one point like I called a support group and they were like, eh, "You don't really count." So, um, so I just decided. I would do what I could do personally to change that. And so I just reached out and said, I have something we can talk about. Uh, so we have at home a six-year-old, six and a half, and a just turned three-year-old. But I always, so semantics are really important to me. And you might notice as I talk that I will say things like I have two here at home because I am unable to dismiss that we have other children who don't live in our home, Um but I also realized that not everybody is deserving of our story. And so like if I'm at the grocery store and somebody says like, oh, you've got two? And I always say like, yeah, I got two here at home with me or two here at the store with me or um, things like that. So um, we, let's see, in 2015, we got pregnant for the first time and we had a miscarriage really early on like seven weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, I I mean, like, I had been to the doctor for my blood test and they had called me and told me I wasn't pregnant. And I argued with them and I was like, no, I have like 12 tests here that say otherwise. And I'm like, well, come back in for blood work. You know, let's give it a week and come back in for more blood work. Um, and maybe maybe it was that I'd taken just like the urine pregnancy test there. And yeah. it wasn't as accurate as some of those that you buy at the grocery store, which is kind of crazy to me. I didn't know that. Um, okay. Yeah. And so, um, like those early detection tests and within hours I started having a miscarriage and I was like, Oh, they were right. Re- like <laughs> they were wow. not pregnant and I went to work. Like I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what, I'm, what am I supposed to do? And I called them and they were just kind of like, yeah, that's probably right. That's why your numbers weren't high. You know, like that's why our tests read negative. I'm sorry. Yeah. And kind of just left me with that. And I, and I got to work and my boss was actually pregnant at the time. And I told her because I was teaching a classroom of pre-K kids. Um, I was like, I just might need to like step out a couple times today. You know, like this is what's happening. And she was like, go home. Yeah. What are you, what are <laughs> you even talking about that woman yeah so I called my mom so my mom lives we live three hours from each other and you know um there are outlet malls in the middle right between in Edinburgh and so we decided to meet there and I remember I just kept calling the doctor's office like I was having hot flashes like I didn't know what to expect nobody was really telling me anything and they just kind of continued to just dismiss me. So I have an aunt who works at an OBGYN's office in Noblesville. So I called her nice. and was like, get her on the phone with me right now. Answer these questions. I don't understand what's happening with my body. Like no one is giving me any grace or any understanding or any empathy, or it was just like, it was just very clinical. Like, yeah. yep. Miscarriage has happened and you're having one and, you know, come back in a couple of weeks. We'll recheck and make sure that you know, your levels are back to zero. Yeah. And I was just left kind of reeling. And so she was able to answer some of my questions. And I went up and spent the day with my mom. And um, and then one of the things I was also not told is that directly after a miscarriage, you were incredibly fertile because everything's kind of like open and ready to yeah. <laughs> grow that baby. And we were um, pregnant so quickly that they thought that I had a potentially miscarried a twin and what? kept the other. So I have our six year old, I have ultrasounds of him at like four and a half weeks, like, like just like a little like dot on the ultrasound because um, I took more pregnancy tests and they came back positive and they were like, huh? you need to come in. Maybe you were having twins. Maybe, um, maybe cause you shouldn't be. <laughs> And I was sure enough. So I was pregnant. I, d- I had had a miss, a full miscarriage and then got pregnant with Beckett before I had a cycle, like at all, like, it was just like immediate. Um, which I guess is not uncommon. Yeah. But nobody had said like, right. Hey, give your body some time. Cause you're just like a fertile myrtle now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and it worked out, but like, I went from like pregnant to pregnant. It was just very, um, like surreal. I didn't have time to process anything. Yeah. Um, it was very confusing and yeah. kind of just lost. And my body went from like just like I and I looked pregnant, um, like immediately. There was no like first time pregnancy flat belly because yeah. I have been seven weeks pregnant and then pregnant again and just and so my body was just like all over the place. Um I remember just kind of being angry, like why did no one like sit down and talk to me and explain to me or help me process any of what any of this looks like. Um, And so we went to Florida on vacation and I actually read um, the book, Heaven is for Real. And I don't know if you've read that book or not, Mm -mm. but the little boy and not to give the whole plot plot away, but the little boy is, I think he's sick. I I can't remember what happened, but he passes away and he comes back with all these experiences of heaven, like he saw the other side. And one of the things that he talks about is siblings Whoa. that he met while he was in heaven. And I think he's, I don't know, maybe five or six in the book. I don't know. I could, it's been, now it's been what, like seven years. Yeah. Since I've read the book. So I could have some of the story wrong, but it was something his parents had never shared with him that they had lost babies before he was born. And he's able to like talk about what they looked like. And, and so it was just like, that was like my comfort of like, okay. Um, you know, I just read it while I laid on the beach and walked around in the pool. And
0: wow. Um, it's amazing.
1: And so we carried Beckett past term. He was incredibly overdue. And, um, <laughs> an section at the end. Oh my gosh. He was, I guess, pregnant forever with him and like pregnant seven weeks before him, you know, like it was just this really odd experience. Yeah. Um, and then kind of had to like process it all later. Yeah. And um, cause there just wasn't time to process the miscarriage while being pregnant again, because it was just, there was just too much fear and involved in that. And I knew I needed just to like keep my mind in a place to keep him safe. Um, it's so like process that all after the fact. Um, and then it's my belief we had a missed miscarriage after him. Um, when he was pretty young, like maybe like 13 months old, but it was not a planned pregnancy. And I was like, sure. I cannot be pregnant right yeah. now. Like he doesn't sleep. He just screams. I cannot do this again. So I hadn't body. taken a pregnancy test yet. <laughs> yeah. But it was like one of those things where I was like three or four weeks late was feeling very, like, I remember telling friends, like I am pretty certain I'm pregnant. Um, and it was, it was very similar to our for like the loss of our first miscarriage. Wow. Um, and so I don't really know for sure. And yeah, yeah. in my, in my mind, there was, um, there was that. And so then we decided after that happened, I was like, you know, maybe we are ready for a second. Let's, let's, let's do this. We got pregnant again. And, um, we opted to have, we went to a different doctor. We opted for midwives. We decided to have less interventions, less ultrasounds, less, you know, kind of like, um, And I don't, like, I don't put any blame or anything like that on it. But um, we we had, like, our weekly appointments. We were doing our Dopplers. Everything was fine. And about, I would say, at our 17-week appointment, we were on our way into the building. And I said, like, they're going to tell us something's wrong today. I don't know why. I don't know. I just have this gut feeling. They're going to tell us something's wrong today. Um, and that was the week that we actually saw the OB on call, like, wow. because they make you see the OB in case you have to have a C-section or something like that. So, um, that was the week we saw the OB and I didn't say anything to him. He got off the Doppler and he was like strong heartbeat, looking good. Everything seems fine. You're measuring great. You know, everything. Um, I was, I had been feeling the baby kick starting at like I don't know, like 14 weeks. Um, and so we went home and Ben was like, see, you're worried about nothing. And that, but that feeling just never went away. In fact, it got worse and worse and worse until I was just like laying up at night, like having to take deep breaths and just feeling very anxious, like something's wrong, something's wrong. But there were no indicators that anything was wrong. All of our numbers were good. I was feeling him move. Well, we didn't know it was a him at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, up until about, Nineteen weeks, and then it was like I just very little movement. But I was also chasing a toddler, sure. So in my head, yeah. it was just like, well, I don't know I if I felt it. him today. Like, yeah. yeah, I haven't sat down yet. Like, yeah, um, you know. And so we went for our twenty week. So we had a we have to see maternal fetal medicine high risk because I was born with a heart defect. So our first mm-hmm. ultrasound was going to be a maternal fetal medicine. Over in Louisville, at the specialist office, and they called me and said they needed to reschedule because of some conference. All the doctors were going to be out that day, so if something was wrong, there wouldn't be any doctors to see me. And I was like, I sobbed on the phone, and I was like, oh. No, you have to see me that day. And I just had this awful feeling, and I was like, Something's wrong. You have to see me. I have to. And they, so they made me agree. Like, Okay, we'll see you, but there's only ultrasound techs, and like nurse like there, the none of yeah. the maternal fetal medicine people will be there that day and I was like I don't care I just need to I yeah. just need to see and so yeah. it's also supposed to be our gender reveal so we had been posting on Facebook you know our weekly photos let everybody yeah. know like yeah. we'll find out the gender tomorrow and you know and um so we went to our appointment and I don't know if, if you've ever had to have genetic all of that done you have to like sit in a little room and go through every illness every person in yeah. your family has ever had they draw all these like little circles and connect them it's very stress inducing because you realize like
0: there's the a possibility the potential for all these yeah
1: options I mean you're already like the whole idea of stitching a baby together inside a womb in itself is just like how does this even happen and then you start throwing in this like whole genetic component um and so it was just, we were just, I just remember this, like, something's wrong, something's wrong. I don't know why I feel this way. And we went to have the ultrasound done and the, um, you know, like normally they start the screen so- somewhat facing you and then they yeah. might turn it more to you once they get things. But instead of turning it towards us, she turned it away. And she was like, I I'm new here. I'm going to go get somebody. Um, and then when, she came back. She had a, and I don't know if it was a doctor. I don't know. Somebody yeah. in my coat came back with her. And, um, and I remember looking at Ben and saying like, there's, there's gonna, there's no baby. Like there's no baby yet. There's some, they're going to tell us there's no baby. And he was like, no, like she said, yeah. she's new. Yeah. He's I'm not feeling his intuition. Else. Yeah. It's fine. And, um, instead she just looked at us and was like, I'm sorry, they your baby's gone. And, um, just like handed us Kleenex and left the room. And, like, I was like, get me off of this table, you know, like get me off of this table. I was making sounds like I couldn't recreate, you know, they were like yeah. guttural, just like noises. And, um, and then I kind of just went into shock. Like yeah. I called my mom and I told her she needed to come. Like, you need to start driving here right now. And she was like, Okay. She had, she just got in the car and started driving and the office was really nice. They, um, they actually cleared the entire waiting room and all of the offices. And I mean, it's like a big maternal fee. I mean, I think they have like 12 doctors. It was a big practice and, um, had everybody go in their offices, close their doors, nobody. And they walked us out the back way and through a different door. And they called our midwives for us. And um, my midwives called my cell phone number, you know, and they gave me their cell phone numbers. And then my in-laws were babysitting Beckett so we could have our appointment. And we just drove home. And we got home. We were like, there's no baby. There's no baby. And we still didn't know the gender because of the way that he was laying. They were able to get that on the ultrasound. Um, and they were so confused. Like, what do you, what do you mean there's no baby? You're... Twenty plus weeks pregnant, yeah. um, and I just went to the back and I called my mom. I mean, because we we're running, you know, like Facebook status had yeah. like comment after comment, like, "Hey, are you going to announce?" It's been all day. Like, when are you going to tell us? When, like, you know, yeah, you built and, this excitement uh, up.
0: Everybody was pumped for you.
1: You know, like my grandparents are in Texas waiting to hear the news. You know, like, yeah, and um. I was like, I ne- I called my mom and I said, like, I need you to ca- start calling people and telling them for me. And she was like, tell them what? Like, she, you know, she was like, yeah, hey, you I hadn't told her yet, to right? Me, with like, yeah, no, I just said, come. And I had f- missed that. I hadn't told her. Yeah. Like, I just hadn't, it hadn't like clicked. She was thinking maybe like there was a problem or a problem with the cord or, you know, like a genetic abnormality on the screen, you know, something like, yeah. Yeah. This, because it, because the whole reason for the appointment was to check that baby, the baby's heart and sure. things like that, because I had a heart defect. So she was thinking yeah. along those lines. So then I had to tell her like, I'm not pregnant anymore. Our babies died. Like, and so she just stepped in and started calling people and, um, we made a Facebook status just to let everybody know. And then also said, you know, like we set some boundaries, like, after 9 p.m. tonight, please don't comment on this thread because every time I get a notification, it's just a reminder of what we're going through. Um, My midwives gave me their cell phone numbers and were in contact with me constantly. Um, And then we just had to start making decisions. Like, there was, like, no time to really figure out what was going on. And I'm a person in the moments of crisis, I, like, set into it and make my to-do list and what needs to be done. And um, making decisions, and so while there was definitely lots of grief, there was also lots of like, what comes next? What do I yeah. do? What? Yeah. What I'm am I, how I? supposed way. to handle this? And yeah. uh, and so there were a couple options, and I didn't know this, but you could choose to be induced. You could choose to wait for labor to come naturally. Um, and so we decided to wait, and it was the weekend of Valentine's Day, and so um, we waited long enough to put together a to-do list. So like I wanted maternity photos because I hadn't had maternity oh photos God. done. Um, and so we had a friend volunteer to do maternity photos for us. Like I wanted to be able to like process it and write about it and and, and all of that. Um, and so we waited for two days and then on the morning of Valentine's Day, we went and had our maternity photos done and we went out for sushi <laughs> We went to a baby store and bought a baby. Sushi, okay, so sushi was a choice made because we thought there wouldn't be any pregnant people there. But instead, what happened was that there were crazy amounts of pregnant people and they were all loudly announcing, I'm pregnant, I don't know what I can eat. Why should I order? You know, like, I mean. the other thing is, I've been that person, right? Like, Like, I've totally been the person who's like, at the sushi place and Pregnant, like, can you tell me what I could order off the menu? But in my thinking at the time, I was like, let's go for sushi because there won't be pregnant people there. There were like three pregnant people within like earshot. And of course they were all just like, "Eh." I mean, good for them. They deserve joy in pregnancy and figuring out what's on the menu. But I was just sitting there like, oh my God. Is (laughs) this for real? This was the worst (laughs) choice we could have come up with. Um, but now we still go back to, we go back to the same place every day on his birthday. And so, um, and so we, um, we had maternity photos and we went to a baby store and, uh, the owner donated us was a friend of mine. She donated a swaddling blanket to Mm -hmm. us and, um, and a little stuffed lamb, a little lamb that we could take to the hospital. And, and then the hike and the well, all of that was hard. Like, then choosing—like they knew I was coming to the hospital, but they just said, "Come when you're ready." It wasn't like I had an appointment. It wasn't like I had. Yeah. A, they knew I was going to come that day, and they said, "Like, take your time. Don't feel like you have to be here at ten o'clock, and we're going to be waiting at ten a.m. And you need to make this appointment time. If ten o'clock rolls around and you need to like be curled up on the couch, still figuring this out, do that. Like, wow. And so." While I really appreciated that grace, it also made me have to make the choice, sure. but I don't know if it would have mattered. I would have had to make the choice anyways. Um, so that was really hard making the choice to go start the process. And then when we got there, we had the best nurse. She hugged me and she gave us all the time we wanted to. I, I asked for a warm bath and I sat in the bath for literally hours and wow. sang songs and had like all my last moments, um, before we were induced. And so I was induced and I denied all pain medication for a really long time because I was really certain that my body had failed and I deserved every ounce of pain that labor was causing me. And, um, I had a friend the now I lay me down organization. Now I lay me down to sleep organization. They do photos for, uh, babies that are stillborn or infant death—they come to the hospital and take pictures for you. And the person who worked at my hospital was actually out, and a friend of mine contacted her photographer friend who'd never done it before, who'd just recently signed up, and said, "Can you do this for me?" So she came to the hospital, and she was just like, she was just an angel. She <sighs> made us laugh about stuff. She asked us questions about like my pregnancy. She just acted like it was yeah normal, like she knew that it wasn't and she was very aware of our grief, but she also was like, you know, like tell me, did you, were you, did you have morning sickness? Did you crave stuff? You know, she just asked and she was finally the one who talked a little bit of sense into me and got me pain meds. Um, But I made her promise me that they wouldn't let me give birth before I was coherent, you know, like pain meds knock me out. They make me loopy. I can hardly keep my eyes open. And I was afraid of like missing that and so um and then the weirdest thing happened like four inches of snow fell (laughs) like just like covered everything in a blanket of snow and then we um we gave I gave birth on the 15th and um and then the snow all (laughs) melted like like just like it was, it just made for this very surreal moment. Yeah. You know how when the first snow happens and everything is quiet and silent and,
0: you know, and there soft, were no cars
1: yeah. out. It was just yeah. like, and then it was gone. Um, and so then we spent the day, um, I downloaded a book and I read him a book and I sang him songs and I, um, they let me move to the rocking chair so I could rock him. And do things that I wouldn't be able to do um, after we left the hospital. And at the time, I, I, I didn't have any knowledge. And and that's one of the things that the, the group of women and I who were local work on doing is helping women before they get home and realize all the things they didn't do. And they won't ever get to do. Um, and so... Um, we spent the whole day with him and then, um, that night we invited our parents and my mom and my sister down to hold him and see him and they'd put him in a little gown. they had a gown his size and, you know, we swaddled him. I had taken Beckett's stuffed animals so that their stuffed animals could lay together, you know, like have some connection. Um, and then but when I just couldn't keep my eyes open anymore, I asked for the nurse to come take him. Um, And then we stayed the night. And the next day I realized I'd forgotten the handprints and footprints. So the nurse went and did that for me. And then we had to leave the hospital. Driving away was just like the most heart-wrenching moment of, of it all leaving the hospital and knowing that he was there in a room. Sorry, I usually don't, like, like um, not that it's not emotional for me, but usually like the cause of yeah, I get it. Telling our story is less. I'm a little less emotional yeah, usually. Yeah, I
0: understand.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, coming home and then figuring out what comes next. <laughs> like my milk all came in. That's full of newborn milk. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, like things you just don't going postpartum. Full postpartum process. <laughs> And like, and the trauma that that can feel like, and uh, and so I started kind of looking for help and resources. And I remember I called a, a local grief share group and I explained to them kind of what was going on. And they were like, eh, "That doesn't really count." <laughs> and I was like, "Or the horrible things that people were going to say, or how when do I share? When do I not? Who deserves my story?" Um, how to say things that like set a boundary, Um, how to just go on living again. And so um, what we found was that none of that really existed. There are some online resources, but locally there was, there were no hospital resources, no support groups, no anything. And then like the strangest thing, I think maybe, Maybe part of it is that the stigma is broken a little bit, but also, you know, that kind of like theory, like if you buy a yellow car, suddenly you see yellow cars everywhere.
0: 100%. Or maybe, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Suddenly I had dear friends, close friends and people that I knew were losing babies and what? having miscarriages and full-term losses and infant losses. And it was just like, and we were all just kind of grappling for there's no support here. There's no anything but each other. So how do we, what do we do? <laughs> All right, I'm going to, no, okay. <laughs> a leg's going to sleep. <laughs> um, so yeah, how do we, what do we do? How do we create space first for each other? Because we're in going through yeah. it at the moment. And then for women who are going to come after us. And so it just kind of became our local mission. Some of us do have parts of the project that are independent of, the kind of the group and then we kind of collectively do things as well um and how and what kind of support what does that look like and can we create a model that other people can copy and so we've spent the last almost like four and a half years um doing that on a local level and uh the best we can what is that called well, we don't really have a name for ourselves. Okay. We just <laughs> so like we we just have been kind of outspoken and reached out. And I, you know, okay. I reached out to a news station and we did a TV interview. And mm-hmm. um, from that TV interview, we have a web uh, email address that we okay. check periodically with, and we can email a list of resources. Um, my friend Abby, whose son Sam was stillborn, she supplies one of our local hospitals with clothes because that's one of the things you don't think about is yeah. you will only have one chance to ever dress your baby and they need to be tiny. Yeah. Um yeah. And so she supplies one of the local hospitals with clothes so that when a baby is born there that they can um, have clothes. We I, we supply a local hospital with books that we read to him when we had Connolly in the hospital. Um and they give to parents when they have a miscarriage or yeah. stillbirth. Um, another mom, she makes sure that uh, we supply, there's an organization in Indianapolis that turns old wedding gowns into burial gowns for very small babies in a variety of sizes. So they make gowns from little tiny itty-bitty births to full-term losses. And you can get a burial gown for free made out of somebody's. Oh um, and so she always makes sure that we are donating wedding dresses and does a drive once a year. Um, we've all come together and created lists of things like that that you don't think about and have tried to get them in providers hands because after parents go home, it's too late. You know, like you, how do you prepare them before it's happened, but also yeah. not let them get home and realize they never gave their child a bath or rocked them or sang to them, or all the things that you think about after the fact, um, or just lists of books or places to, Buy things online. You know there are kits yeah. that just come with, you know, lavender and a journal, and so we've just spent. And we don't we don't call ourselves anything. It's just when we see a need, one of us steps up and says, "Hey, ladies!" Like, you know, we we have one of the local hospitals now that holds a yearly candlelight ceremony, and they you know they say all of our babies' names, and we get to go up on stage and. You know, they they have a pamphlet with all a program with all of our kids' names in it and honor them. And so all of those things have only occurred after this small group of us have just decided that something had to change. Um and so we do and then we do stuff like this, you know, we just talk about it and yeah. make it something that women know about and that it happens to other women and that they're are places to reach out and say, what do I do? What comes next? Um, And to kind of just guide as best we can. Um, It
0: kind of feels like when, so when you were, before you started talking about the group of women and you were saying you didn't have any, there was no resources. You didn't know anybody had gone through, you didn't really know where to turn. And then you found all these, or you had all these friends that were going through, it was almost, it's almost like, I mean, truly it feels like, and I don't doubt it for a second, that was meant to be like, that was your support system. You didn't have this, but like you guys were all in that place in that time, almost like in, like on purpose. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And we so, so interesting. So when we checked into the hospital to have Connolly, we found out that while we were having our 20-week scan in Louisville at the specialist office, there was a woman having her scan Done at the midwife's office, and our babies were due a day apart. And we both found out at our appointments that our babies had died. And so when we checked into the hospital, of course HIPAA like prevents all kinds of things. So she had decided to go into the hospital almost immediately, like go home, get a sitter for her other kids, get up the next morning and go be induced. And we because we had waited two days, um, they checked out of the room. And we checked in. And one of the things that our hospital does is tries to put you with end into the hallway. So you're not being surrounded by women who are laboring and newborn babies yeah. crying. And they also put a butterfly on the outside of your door, a little laminated magnet so that ultrasound techs and cafeteria people and, you know, janitors know not to walk in and stick their foot in their mouth. Yeah. Um, and granted it's going to happen, you know, like, yeah. no fault of their own, but it's just like a heads up. Like, um, and so we checked in and after we got settled with our nurse and she was just, ugh, Kelly is her name. I still am in touch with her. She had lost a son in a car accident. So she just had like this other level of understanding yeah. and just yeah. was just like the sweetest, kindest, most wonderful woman. But she said, there's another family who just checked out your babies were due at the same time. You both found out on the same day. I asked her for permission to share her information with you. And I don't even know that could still be breaking HIPAA. I, like, I don't, right. I don't like whatever <laughs> she asked her permission. And so we became like very best friends, like through texting at first and then we met in person. And so we went through it all like, literally day by day at the same time. I have full body um, chills. I just think that's. Yeah. And so um, her little boy's name is Michael. And we were just able to support each other in ways that other people just wouldn't necessarily think about. You know, like her and her husband took a trip uh, to Niagara Falls just to get away for a few days. And she sent me a photo of uh, the rainbow over the falls. And she had written Connelly's name in the sand. I'm like, I don't know that anybody else would even like have thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like some, you know, like if it wasn't something you were going through, you might be like, what Why would No, Like that would just be weird. But she just knew like, cause she was going through the exact yes. experience at the same time. And so, um, yeah, we just, it just, and it happened, it was happening to just so many women around me all of a sudden and, Not to say that it hasn't happened to women before us, but they're just, I mean, I was like grappling, like I was posting on Facebook and making phone calls and calling therapists and grief centers and, and just like, we don't offer things for stuff like that. And so (sighs) once we kind of got our feet back under us, we just said, okay, so we need to do something for women in this situation. Um, And so we. We just we do the best we can.
0: You know, also I think is really incredible, and I don't even know. I'm curious to see what your answer is to this. So, I feel like without with you not having any prior knowledge or knowing anybody who'd gone through it, really having any idea like what would be the things that you would want to do. I feel like the decisions that you made to get the to get the photo shoot done before you went and were induced, bringing the stuff in, like all the decisions that you made were so based on, or at least they, it felt like you were already in that moment choosing to experience what was coming after with as much love and taking advantage of the memories. And you put so much, you put so much love and intention into the decisions that you made before you got induced and before you left that hospital. And I just want, how did you do that? how did you know the things to do that before? And also how, you know, cause so many women, I think that I feel like I would have wanted it just to be over. I would have wanted just to go into the hospital and do the same thing and just be over, but you just made these decisions. And I think it's incredible. Like, where did that come from?
1: So I think in some ways I was really, really lucky. Uh, I belonged to a mom's group that was held at uh, a business called the Diaper Fairy Cottage in Louisville. So- and it was very birth entrenched, right? Okay. It was doulas and it was midwives and it was breastfeeding helpers and, you know she was all things birth and cloth diapers and natural and so yeah. when I started texting the women in that group that Connelly had died um it was like I have a birth photographer and I will call her for you like I will take over that responsibility and one was like my sister is a birth photographer so people were they might have known somebody who had been through it because they were very entrenched in sure. birth care, okay, and so some of them were able to even ask me back, like, "Have you thought about okay. this? Have you thought about that?" So some of it came about in that way. Um, like I knew I wanted maternity photos. I don't know how I knew that, but I think that, and when I had those done, it was at the Diaper Fairy Cottage Shop. Her, um her studio was on the second store. Mm-hmm. So then we went down and the owner, my friend Emily was there and she gifted us the swaddle. And so it, and then, and then it was like, Oh, well we should buy him a stuffed animal. And at the time we didn't know he was a he. So we were looking for all kind of like gender neutral sure. stuff. And so in some way that just kind of started a ball rolling, I think that like, okay, swaddle. So we're going to swaddle him. And then the birth photographer showed up and it just kind of like, okay, so if I, if I was getting photos taken, I've had maternity photos done. We've swaddled him, Cause like I downloaded the, like I bought the book and downloaded it on my cell phone. It wasn't something I had had any like forethought yeah. to do. Okay, It was just like, and then like singing to him and rocking him. That was something I'd been doing with him when I was getting Beckett to bed every night, like, Oh, I'm yeah. rocking both of my babies and singing them this song. And then, so it just was, I think some of it was like divine intervention of like, being in that birth community so they had a little bit of knowledge and could kind of help me think through those things and yeah. some of it just kind of occurred naturally because of that it was like oh we've already done this normal thing so we should do this normal thing but there are still like I don't know what he weighed or how long he yeah. was because I yeah. didn't think to get measurements um and that's things that our group does is talks about provi- talks to providers about like you need to do the normal things. Like you need to get their weight. Yeah. And it's not that you have to like, come in like, Oh, we got their height and weight. you know? like, Yeah. But if you have that knowledge and can stick it in a box so that when she's ready or, you know, mom and dad are ready to go through that stuff, they know those things. Um, they're
0: not wondering.
1: Yeah. Cause I, like, and more directly after I would, cause I lay, I would lay him on my left shoulder. I would put his urn on my shoulder to see if I could remember the weight. Because as much, I mean, even with Miles, you know, like the things you think you're going to remember forever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. their chubby cheeks and their rolly fingers and all the things, but it fades. Like, yeah. it's not that it's not there, but there's all the other stuff yeah. that, yeah. And so um, it's so like the more, And that's something we talk about with providers now, like the more concrete, like you can give them because now there are even companies that will make you a weighted bear that matches the weight and the size that you like. And, and so um, just like all the forethought of that stuff that some of us did and some of us didn't do, you know, when we meet as a group, like, I'm so glad I did this or I'm so mad. I forgot to do that. But having those collective experiences is what's helped us create the resource list of things that people should think about because I didn't, I just didn't think about some of that stuff and the other moms did some stuff and didn't think about other stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I think a part of it is just, I got really lucky and it was pretty entrenched in that birth community that had a little bit more knowledge. I think that goes to
0: show that there is some importance um, or at least to be considered of really, really truly trying to get yourself involved in some kind of community before you even have the baby so that you have just a little bit of exposure. You already have maybe some people to lean on. And it's just nice to be able to talk to other women who have gone through just pregnancy in general, aside from just your friends, right? Or people, maybe they're people are right. your immediate friends group. Um, and it also just gives you different exposure to maybe things that you've not considered or just different ways and perspectives of looking at Oh, all things, baby, motherhood, pregnancy, birth, like doulas and midwives or people at the hospital. You know, I just think that all of that, all those perspectives are so important and, in situations like this can be a blessing in disguise.
1: Right. And two, I think, and kind of like we were talking before we started recording of like living in fear and things because, because in Adelaide we conceived after, and most people um, maybe people might know more now. Um, but for one of the very first times in my life I was less of an open book. Her pregnancy was very, very much touch and go the okay. whole time. And one thing we we don't know why Connolly died. One thing we do know is that he was growth restricted. He was not as big as he should have been for, for his gestational okay. age. Okay. Um and so was Adelaide. And so, Ugh. like, and I had that awful awful feeling. And I, you know, like sometimes I just wonder because I'm, because we did manage to get Adelaide here. Yeah. What if I had said to somebody that I would, you know, like what if I had yeah. shared that and had somebody who had some credentials, you know, like yeah, behind their name to say like, that's not normal. Let's get you in here because we had to do that so many times with Adelaide. I was like in labor and delivery. I was just like a regular <laughs> and, um, And so I think having some community in there to be able to say, or just encouraging women to be very, very honest with their provider and trust their instincts that if something feels off, because I think a lot of times, a lot of us had indicate, like, not necessarily indicators like, oh, decreased movement or this or that, but just like these weird. It is your body that we yeah, yeah, it's your
0: body. I feel like we have like there is a there's a there is more than a connection there than just the fact that it's growing inside of your body. Like there is this clear connection. It makes so much sense to me that there would be that intuition.
1: One of the things that my providers and lots of us encourage is pregnancy after loss. Women often want to get like a fetal monitor. Yeah. Um, at home, but it what I've been told from our providers was that it actually increases your chance of loss because you negate your mother's intuition you have an awful feeling you don't listen to it and you get out your fetal monitor you know like and you find your pulse instead because you're not a certified you know user or you get a low pulse but you don't realize it's low or or it's fine sounding so you It was fine at the moment, you know, like you had some orange juice or something, but that didn't mean that the baby was fine. And so you just blew
0: my um, mind a little bit. We totally had one for miles and Cameron was really just um Cameron was psyched out from it, um, from a different reason. He didn't like the idea of all the waves, you know, like what kind of damage could that do to the baby, which I was on I totally was on board with. So we would like every single Sunday at the same time, it was like our kind of I don't know, just kind of our routine of doing things. That's really interesting. And I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Our pediatrician says the same things like about the owl foot monitors. (gasps) Like if you don't need them necessarily for a medical reason that she doesn't encourage them because we're built with this intuition of like listening to our guts and listening to our thoughts and that we need to be very proactive about those things even when we're not being heard in a medical setting of like nope something's wrong like you're gonna have to prove to me otherwise and yeah. i you need to make me an appointment and so that was really hard for me because after Adelaide was yeah. born and it, things had been so touching going, you know I really wanted yeah. to have like every security out there and our pediatrician said the same thing at that point like you're built this way for a reason like your your you're a mom we have intuitions and I really suggest you don't use anything that helps you negate those. And if you do want, if you really decide you want to use those things that you call me, even if you have a bad feeling and it says things are fine. And so trust that gut feeling, like you have to know that you were given those feelings for a reason.
0: You guys ready to hear the rest of this interview? So good, right? Megan's amazing. You guys, we had such an incredible conversation. It went for like an hour and a half that we had to split this into two episodes. So part two of Megan's interview will drop on Thursday. Be sure to subscribe, though, because if you subscribe, you'll be the first to hear that it drops. You'll be ready to listen. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later. Hey, mamas, before you peace out. If what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective. So we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.